Hello and welcome into the Calcio Connection podcast. We are connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. I am Alex Dono, and I am as surprised as anyone that Inter actually pulled it off and got that 1-0 at the Giuseppe Meazza today. Uh, joined, as always, by Jerry Mancini and our special guest down below for those watching on YouTube. Honestly, when we invited Joe Fischetti on from the Fortsanopoli pod, uh, and we invited him on before the result of the match, I thought, man, I'm just going to let Joe take a, a victory lap. Uh, on the show but joe you saw my superstitions today firsthand because i, I was playing some mental voodoo in the uh, the three-way chat that we had going on uh, I, I guess whatever i did worked. yeah i saw i saw a lot of interisti uh doing the the reverse mush tactic which uh, <laughs> seemed to work uh, for me i think you know every time i agree to come on this podcast i feel like napoli lose a big match so i'm starting to say i like you guys but i might have to reconsider whether i come on this i already show. i invited joe on to be a permanent co-host if it's you know, <laughs> if, if it's going to allow other teams to get into this scudetto race we're going to have joe on every week <laughs> so uh and, and jerry uh hello hello to you as well uh i know uh, i know we got hockey going on i know you're a little bit down because lazio lost today to lecce which was uh obviously a disappointing result how are you sir I'm pissed off <laughs> I, I forgot to start my lineup for my hockey pool god damn oh. it fuck I left two guys on the bench. Oh, well, they can fuck themselves. Jeez. Anyways, I, I don't even care that Lazio lost. I really don't give a shit, honestly. The break made me lose some interest into the league because yeah. for, for such the, the, the long layoff, and I'll, I'll, it's going to take me some time before I actually get more invested into the city again. Like I, I felt like today was just like a bunch of guys – it was like one team was ready to go, and one team still looked like they're in preseason training. Like, I don't know. It, it was kind of a mixed result of teams. Like, and it's funny because everyone two months ago said, or back in November, was that if you had a lot of guys playing, that's going to hurt you. Mm. Well, when you really look at it now, it doesn't really. We think that because they play too much, it, it, it's too much for them. I think they're 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 very mentally they're well trained and mentally equipped that they can handle playing that extra football that it's not new to them. They're not rookies. It's not their first year in the league where like Giroux can do it. He's a professional who's been around. Like these kind of guys know what their body can handle. And I think that the fact that they were staying in shape for two, three months while other guys are at home eating panettone and freaking and, like and you? Eating, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I, I think that it benefited some teams and some teams are maybe hurting from it. So, yeah, I only caught the last two games and I caught the Napoli game. And I thought that I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short for the Inter game. I thought that was Inter's best game this season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's uh, so, something uh, I want to get into here. Um, I thought Inter from the get-go – uh, they they really played great. The only thing that was missing for most of the match was just the end product. Uh, and I, I was really something I was thinking could end up coming back to haunt them because obviously we know how clinical Napoli's attack can be and how dangerous they are in front of goals. So I kept thinking if Inter can't bury a chance or two, 
it's only a matter of time before Napoli will be more clinical with their first really good chance of the match. And you know, Onana did end up having a, a quality save or two in this one. But, you know, in that first half, it was it was frustrating from an Inter point of view. I'm sure frustrating for Napoli as well to give up chances like this. Um, you know, uh, Lukaku, who uh, didn't play very well, did have some dangerous runs and he did have some dangerous crosses, uh, including a cross that set up um, it was the would have been the secondary assist on what was almost a sitter for Matteo Darmian that he put over the top. And Lukaku also had a, a nice cross on a Federico Di Marco chance on, on the left flank that he couldn't put on target. And nothing was going on target for Inter in the first half, but they were controlling the chances. They created, I think, every single one of the quality chances in the first half, even though Napoli had more possession in the game, which I think we all expected. And then the breakthrough, Joe, came and it ended up being the only goal of the match, which uh, I did not expect. I thought there'd probably be, you know, at least two or three goals scored in this one. Um, Edin Dzeko scores with his head. I, I thought Dzeko was excellent in this match at the 56th minute. And I thought the man who delivered the service to him, Di Marco, had a brilliant match. And, you know, I, I think it was uh, our, our buddy Nima who said this on Twitter, that Di Marco's left foot is like a cheat code. I mean, he is so pinpoint accurate with those left-footed crosses of his, and he just picked out Dzeko's head perfectly on what certainly looked like a defensive lapse from a Napoli point of view, but uh, that ended up being the only scoring of the match. Joe, how, how did you see that play out from the inter chances to the one that Jekko finally found the back of the net on? Yeah, so there's no doubt that Inter were the better side. They were deserving of the victory, in my opinion. I, what I was expecting, I was expecting a low-scoring result, despite these being the two top-scoring teams in the league, only because of that World Cup break and and you know, not knowing how players are going to come back, will they be rusty or not? I, I perfectly understand Jerry's point about uh, potentially the players returning from the World Cup being more in form than the ones who are not playing. And we saw that in the Milan match. You know, Giroud looked very good, even though he missed a bunch of chances. Teo Hernandez, uh, Rafael Leao. But then you look at Napoli, and Napoli started four of the five players that went to the World Cup, and really mm. Kim Min Jae was the only one who played well. I think Oliveira was yeah. decent. But Zielinski didn't do a whole lot, and Gisa didn't do a whole lot. Um, I think for Napoli, the the first objective of the match was to get through that first quarter of the match, 15-20 minutes, let's say, because it's a home game for Inter. You know, survive that period. We knew there was going to be a lot of energy. Napoli fans from Campania were not allowed to travel, so there were fewer Napoli fans than you might have expected at the. Well, why was that? It was they cited safety reasons. I think there's been some issues between the ultras in the past. So, oh, um, yes, there. I can remember a uh, yeah, there was stabbing a few years ago. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, which is fine, but um, Napoli, you know, we did achieve that despite conceding a couple of those really major chances. uh, You know, we got through that period without conceding, and then we started to take over control of the match, and and we started to play our game. But I thought Simone Inzaghi had a fantastic game plan for this match. And I thought Inter executed that really well, specifically in the defensive phase. And as you mentioned, Napoli had a lot more of the ball, which was sort of part of the plan. But Inter, in a way, they defended like some of the the lower table teams defend against Napoli, which is what we actually struggle against the most because Napoli play well in space. And what Inter did, and you know, I did a, a Q&A for uh, Serpents of Inter, and one of the questions is, what is Napoli's weakness? And, and I mentioned this, that we struggle against the lower table teams because they they 
take away the space in the midfield. So Inter played with all 10 men behind the ball. You have those five midfielders that even without Brozovic and even with Mkhitaryan, maybe not 100% fit, you know, Barella played amazing and, and they really limited what Zielinski, Lobotka, and Angisa could do in the midfield. And that, for anyone who's watched Napoli this season, that's the heart of Napoli right there. And, yeah. and when we can't play in the midfield, what that did is it forced us to use the wings, which is fine. We have good wing players, Cavada on one side. Politano didn't do much on, on the other no. side. But when you're playing on the wings, you're naturally going to cross the ball into the area. And that plays to Inter's strengths as well, because Inter have those three pillars in the middle of the, the defense, led by Skriniar. So they just eat up everything you put into the area. So I thought... And, and on really a quick side note, I've got to say this. Uh, well, while Jerry is listening, uh, Acherby, Acherby has been shockingly good this year. I was I was expecting just a fossil, like a shell of his former self, but he's been quite good. It's funny you say that, because I, I said that today on the phone to Joe. Yeah. I, I thought, I said to him, the Cherby's been the better one than Korea. And, 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 yes. and it should be the opposite where yeah. Korea is the younger player yeah. who should have the speed, the pace, the longevity to go a whole game and, and be a more well-rounded player. And he's the guy who's breaking down consistently. You don't know when he's going to stay healthy. And, and you see a Cherby has been really good. And, and you know what? I think it's the, the biggest factor is that he is suited to a back three. Yeah. His style of play, I think the win backs really help him in support too in, in, in a back three because he gets that extra support. I don't think he's very comfortable playing in a back four and having to be one of the center backs. He said an, another one, like I think the spacing, the positioning is just, it, it's too structured for him where under Inzaghi and, and, and it's a little bit more free roam. He can play a little bit higher and he can play more loose and come back and, and kind of have the support of, of, a, of a winger or a midfielder playing there. I think when at Lazio, uh, an advantage that helped him was Lucas Leva. And if you have a, a proper number six in the 3-5-2, it kind of helps the center back as well too, right? It gives him that extra coverage in order to like play the position easier. So I think that's something that Inter has as well that kind of helps him with his game so mm. um I'm, if he keeps playing like this you, you have to wonder does does enter i know this is just going off topic but you, you wonder like do, do they sign him in in the summer like do they pick up the option like if because he's, he's showing to be a good option over devry right yeah so, well and i i would say I think they're working on that, uh, and they probably should be, since it seems like there's close to 50-50 chance they lose Skriniar. And, of course, they would also go for a younger you know, replacement, but uh, you, you, you would think you would want all the veterans you can get hanging. You would want as much continuity as possible. If you lose Skriniar on a free, you would want to... You would want to have somebody like a Cherby with the way that he's been playing, uh, and and that and that's good good points on on Inter's defense. And on that, I mean, Joe, you were kind of explaining tactically how Napoli had to try to create from the wide areas. Um, what did you make of Osimhen's performance? I mean, obviously, I, I thought he was defended well, but also didn't get the consistent service that he might have needed in this match. Uh, how, how did you feel about the way that he played? Because obviously, that's one of the Napoli players I fear most. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I mean, Osimhen is only as good as the service that he gets, and there wasn't a whole lot of it. 
Um, and he's also good when he has space as well, right? He's his best feature, his best quality is his pace. That's kind of removed from the equation when you're playing a, a deep, uh, you know, a low block. When when your opponent is defending in a low block, you can't really play the ball over the top, which is where Osiman excels. He does also excel in the air, but again, with Screener, Bastoni, Acerbi in the box, that's not going to be, you know, great for him. He had one chance, but Oliveira's cross was kind of a, a soft one. So, you know, had Oliveira gotten more power on that cross, Osiman might have gone for the header. Instead, he tried to control it on his chest, and I think uh, Chalanoglu got in between him and and the ball, and then That's Onana right. picked it up. You know, one of the the surprises for me, at least, in, in the mm-hmm. starting lineup, which is another sort of very interesting tactical part of this game, was that Oliveira started over Mario Rui, um, Mario Rui is probably our best crosser of the ball. He's having a great season in terms of assists. So he wasn't there to deliver the ball to Osiman. And it was interesting because I think Spalletti started Oliveira thinking that Inzaghi was going to start Denzel Dumfries yeah. and that Oliveira would be the better matchup to defend Dumfries. And then at the same time, I think Inzaghi started Darmian thinking he might be the better option to defend Quaresquelia. So there was a lot of sort of chess chess moves going on between between the two coaches but yeah it was i mean osman's one player but really you look at napoli starting 11 and outside of kim min jay there really wasn't anyone who had really standout performances in this match it was easily our worst performance of the season yeah and, and it was one of those things uh guys where you know obviously um every 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 three points is important no matter who the side is because there's uh you know we have more than half the season in front of us but at the same time i i certainly feel that this result was a lot more important to inter than it was to napoli who hadn't lost yet this season and had a heck of a cushion atop the table that cushion goes from eight points now to five in front of Milan and now Inter are within eight points and they are in a Champions League position. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, Inter in a Champions League position if the season were to end today. So, I mean, certainly th- this is, I mean, Joe, you, you knew it wasn't going to be an unbeaten season, that at some point Napoli would have to suffer the first loss, still in tremendous position here coming out of this World Cup break. Yeah, and I think that's why most Napoli fans took this loss fairly well. Uh, we still have a five-point lead ahead of our, our nearest competitor. And for us especially, and for probably most teams in the league, that's this is the toughest fixture on the schedule. Going to play at the Meazza against Inter. Yeah, Inter have not had the best start to the season, five losses. Um, but Napoli historically have struggled in this, in this fixture. I mean, I looked at this before the match in our preview, and Napoli's... In the last 10 league matches, Napoli won only one of them. That was in May of 2019. Our last win against Inter at the Meazza was in April of 2017. So it's not like we were coming in here thinking this was going to be an easy match. I think, obviously, a victory would have been incredible. Um, a draw would have been a good result, I think, as well. For both teams, I think a draw, a draw would have been acceptable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially after that first half and, and all the chances mm-hmm. that Inter had. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not the end of the world for Napoli. I think the big question is how do they respond to this? You know, how do they respond to their first loss of the season? Sampdoria is next, which in theory should be an easy win. And then Napoli have Juventus right after that. So, you know, January is going to be a really important month for, for everyone really. 
Yeah, and a, a couple couple other notes uh, for me on Inter, and then I want to get Jerry's take on a certain Inter player. Um, I, I was very, very intrigued to watch Lukaku. You know, the last time we saw him was in just a, a horrific performance against uh, Croatia with Belgium, which I thought was kind of an unfair position for him to even be put in because he really wasn't even supposed to play until the knockout stages that obviously Belgium needed to win that game to get there so they rushed him back and and he was missing sitters left and right and uh, and he certainly he looks rusty still um you could see Lukaku making very dangerous runs uh so like the actual threat was there on kind of what he used to do a couple of years ago but uh the first touch, like all the Premier League fans would say, was was really off for Lukaku today, and it looked like he was playing with jeans and Timberland boots on uh, through a lot of this game. But he did still provide some some runs that tested Napoli's defense and actually had a couple of nice crosses. Really could have had a, an assist or two in this game had their you know the players on the other end of it been a little bit more clinical. So uh, hopefully that's kind of a sign of progress uh, for things to come for him that he can get back to full fitness and match shape. Uh, I actually thought uh, Lautaro did some good things when he came on as a substitute late in the match. Um, you know, we talked about, obviously, the midfield. Barella was fantastic. Uh, wingback Di Marco was fantastic. Uh, Darmian did some good things, but I cannot forgive him for missing the shot that he missed. That one is going to, even though Inter ended up winning the match, that, that one's going to sting for a little bit. Um, but, you know, another attacking substitute that came on because uh, Jekko, who was very good, he scored the goal and, and I thought was dangerous throughout the match. Uh, Jekko uh, had some cramps in the second half, so he came off. And in came Joaquin Correa Tuku, who, you know, he had to miss the uh, the World Cup. You know, he's he picks up knocks. So this guy gets out of bed in the morning. He's, you know, he's pulling something. Um, and he didn't he didn't seem to pull anything today, Jerry. But Tuku was uh, he was not very good. And I know I know you watched the limited role that he played today, Jerry. Uh, what was your thoughts on the grill master? Terrible. <laughs> That's it. I, I, I literally didn't really pay attention to the whole game. I was very uh, tired because I got up at 4.30, went to work, got home at 9.30, just to watch Lazio lose, which is the story of my life. But um, yeah. And I was up until I, I went to bed at 1 o'clock yesterday after watching the Oilers lose last night, and then I slept for three hours last night. So I, I'm just full with disappointment. But um, – I just thought that Korea was so bad. And, and and I'm just looking at how much time he played. So he came on in the 75th minute. So he played around 25, around 28 minutes he played because uh, the injury time was. Uh, it should have I been think, about 20 minutes, I think. Or was it well, four minutes? That's right. That's the Lazio yeah. game was seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in the limited time that he played, I think that's enough time to get your body going and trying to be an impact player for, for 24 minutes, you know what I mean? Or 20 minutes. Like he, every time he touched the ball, it's like he either turned it over. I remember one, one, one sequence where he was down the corner and he got bullied off the ball on the left side. And I yeah. forgot who, and I forgot who took it off him, but he just lost it with no strength. I think it was um, Elmas, if I'm was honest. it maybe Elmas? Okay, I, I don't remember who it was, but he just lost it too easily. I I I I don't care if a player loses 
possession. It's how you lose possession. If you're not making that effort, that extra attempt, and what's what's the excuse that he played for 90 minutes? Like that's that you can't use that. If you're coming off in the 75th minute, you are that guy who has to come off, who, who's coming on to provide that energy to hold it to make right. something happen. I just and, thought, and I thought I thought Lautaro did that. Uh, Correa obviously didn't, and I don't even honestly. I don't even know. They they probably wouldn't have brought Correa on till the 85th minute if Jekyll hadn't cramped up. I, I don't think the plan was to take him out that early. Possibly not. Like I think the only thing he did right was he draw a foul. He got a, he he earned the yellow card. Like a, a Napoli player got a yellow card and took him down in the middle of the of the field of the midfield. But other than that, like he he turned the ball over a few times, caused some some errors. Um, just didn't really offer anything in the midfield. He was just a liability in, in just my opinion. Um, maybe I'm sounding like a hater because I really nitpick everything he does, but today was really bad. Like, I just don't think this is a guy who – it was a bad signing. It, it's a bad signing, and that's yeah. it. Like, I think this was an Inzaghi signing where he just didn't – he was – too reactive on this one and just wanted him because he's a Lazio player. And, and it and seems like, like every man, I mean, Conte had, had his uh, Vidal was his guy. Uh, you know, when, when Spalletti yeah, like, was at Inter, it was Nangolan, which was just a, an awful way at that point in his career was a waste. And, and yeah, for, for Inzaghi, it's been Correa. I can see why he brought him on though, because like Inter were playing even more defensively for the final 10, 15 minutes of the match. Yeah. And one good thing about Tuku is he can <laughs> counterattack. Like we saw yeah. that goal he scored. I can't remember which team it was against where he basically carried the ball the length of the pitch and smashed it into the top corner. Yeah, I remember we, the goal. I, I can't remember which team yeah. it was against. It's been so long. Verona. <laughs> was was it against Verona? Yeah. It's it, it's been like six years since we've watched <laughs> So, I mean, he has that in him. And so I guess in that sense, it kind of made sense to, to bring him on as just fresh legs for the counterattack because right. Inter were really defending at the end there. By the way, Joe, I completely agree with this comment from Eduardo uh, Onana. That last save would have been a goal with Handanovic. Not only that, Handanovic wouldn't have moved. Like, he <laughs> would have just – because, like, on, honestly, and it, it was uh, – and I, I love Handanovic, but, you know, they they tried to they tried to play this guy till he was, like, 40 as the mm-hmm. starting goalkeeper. Like, he had his days. But then late in Handanovic's career, he just makes up his mind when a certain chance is created. Like, he even before the shot is taken, he's like, not saving that, not diving for it, right? Uh, Where I'll I'll defend on the I'll defend hand and Danovich on that one. That that was just a goalkeeper in the right place. Like he didn't have to move to make the save, though. He was just it, it went right to him. The it reflex was, was on point, though. Yeah, but Raspadori didn't do enough to like to to kind of make him have to make a decision to go left, right, to make that extra attempt. To, to maybe make an error. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll, I'll give him the, the fact that he was in the right spot, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it was a quality chance, but not at its best. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, I think he still had to react though, because of the yeah. power on that shot. And yeah. I mean, Onan is a bit of an unorthodox goalkeeper. I mean, he kind of stopped it with his shoulder a little bit, yeah. but I, I take Jerry's point. If, if Raspadori picks a corner there, it's probably true, a goal, true. but Alex, yeah, you mentioned like, like chances earlier. That was Napoli's first real chance of the match. Like we had a bunch of half chances. Di Lorenzo had a couple of times where he didn't know whether he should shoot or pass, and sort of nothing came of it. 
But our first real chance in this match came in the 90th minute, which is a problem, obviously. And and that kind of calls into question. It's easy, obviously, after the match to look back and say what Spalletti should have done or not done. But it does make you wonder whether he should have either started Raspadori or, or at least brought him off the bench sooner. Because Raspadori, I mean, I think there was a comment from Eduardo on the friendlies. Um, he was our best player in those friendly matches. He scored seven goals in, in four friendlies. Oh, um, so there was an argument there to, you know, whether Spalletti should start in the 4-2-3-1 with Raspadori as the number 10, as opposed to the traditional 4-3-3. But at the same time, I mean, how can you, how can you argue with what has worked, you know, to go unbeaten 14 wins and two draws through 16 matches? You also don't blame Spalletti. It just looked like, Maybe in Napoli's case, those couple of guys that came back from the World Cup weren't actually in, in as good shape as, as Raspadori. Like the guys that came off the bench, Raspadori, Elmas, and Domble, they all provided a good amount of energy, but it, maybe it was too late or we still just couldn't find a way through the middle. I mean, Spalletti said after the match that Napoli were a little bit timid. Um, so, you know, we couldn't play through Inter. We just kept on going wide. The other thing that that is interesting is, I mean, there was a lot of talk about Sotza being the the official for this match, being born in Milan. <laughs> um, yeah. well, I maybe think he's a Milanista. I, yeah, <laughs> That's, the, someone was gonna blame him, whether it was Interisti yeah. saying he's a Milanista or right. Napoli fans saying he's Interista. I'm gonna jump on that, or because I've seen Inzaghi. You got Inzaghi today. That's what. The, how about the credit of maybe Napoli just got Inzaghi. Because yeah. I can Zaghi was great that. today. That's, yeah. that, that's what it comes down to. It's not it's not that Spalletti got it wrong. You go with what works with you. It's like it's like telling Saudi to go four two something, I don't know, mm-hmm. changing from the four three three and all of a sudden <laughs> four, two, eight. Like, yeah, like he just decides to change it. It's not gonna happen. Like Inzaghi on his good day is unbeatable. That's all I can say. Like when he has the game plan and it's working and he's in his flow, like his his substitutions worked, um, yeah. aside from Korea, but they didn't really hurt him. Um, like everything worked. He had no other Zaghi. choice. I mean, yeah. he, like he he had to put Korea on. There was nothing yeah, else like, he could do. Yeah, fine, that's fine. But like I'm saying when Inzaghi's at his best, and like he has his players doing what they have to do, and it's 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 a combination. Like he had the players playing at, at a top level today that I have not seen interplay this year. And like, Inter always yeah. seem to play at that top level when they play against Napoli for whatever reason. At, at, at home, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. The reason I mentioned Sota yeah. though is because not not that I think, um, you know, he had any this any impact on sort of the the final outcome of this match, but he did allow them to play. I thought there were a lot of fouls that may or may not have been fouls, and he allowed them to play, which I'm generally fine with. I think that's actually a good thing to let the game flow rather than constant stoppages but i think when an official calls a game that way it generally favors the team that is more physical and i think inter were clearly the more physical side in this match right. so I'm, I'm not in any way blaming the officiating what i'm saying is that inter's physicality i think also was a big reason for for this outcome like we saw how screen yard was playing very physical on cavada early in the match and and just Inter in general have a, a big strong side. We saw Lukaku holding up the ball, and I think that played in Inter's favor as well. So uh, l- l- let me ask you uh, both uh, big picture now. Um, again, I know I just said 
three, four minutes ago that, you know, there's really no reason for, for Napoli supporters to panic, but obviously it's uh, still, also, a lot uh, of season left. Go ahead, Jerry. I'll also add, I think the biggest takeaway for, for Inter is the defensive part of their game today. Oh, that, tremendous. That, I think that's always been a strength to their game and has been a big weakness this season. It's just far too often you see this team make blunders in the back and it's 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 Nzagi always thinking attack 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 and that might be the the Lazio mind in him always having Luis Alberto and Sergei Milinkovic Savage and Immobile in order for him to do that um and I think today was one of the very rare games where I seen him have more of a defensive minded approach and and Lazio's always been a good counterattack team under Inzaghi, and look how they scored off yeah. a counterattack opportunity. You know what I mean? It went the other way. DiMarco went down the wing, put the cross in, and it worked. Like that's always been Inzaghi style football. So, um, I wouldn't put too much into this game today for anybody. I I think today is a very big toss up. I think a lot of people, I can. I had to get offline because I was kind of I don't want to get too overreactive, but like I think <laughs> that you you have to you have to look at as call me next Sunday after two three games and then yeah. you, you'll get an idea of how teams are are actually doing again when teams are all up to par and and they got the passing under control the running the the timing and all that right I thought that Lazio and, and Napoli kind of looked similar in their in in their own ways like. The timing of their passes were off. They look a little sluggish. They didn't have that rhythm. They weren't winning battles in the midfield as the game progressed. They just kind of looked slower and slower. Um, yeah, but that, that's my biggest takeaway for Inter. As for Napoli, I think I think I think the biggest question now is how does Napoli respond after their first loss? Yes. Yeah. Of course. I think Amen. that's the biggest thing. And and if they respond well then this is a team that's seriously considered a contender for the Scudetto. But I think more importantly, it's not the Scudetto, it's a top four push. That's what I look at as. They lose a second game, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, hold on, let's take a step back here. What's going on? Because they always say the hardest game after a big winning streak is, is, is is the... By the way, I love love how Ivano... I love how Ivano can talk shit on Lazio when uh, aren't Roma on the same number of points as Lazio now? <laughs> but he's still uh, talking his shit. You guys are um, both. You guys are in the same spot. But the, yeah, like I just they always say that the hardest game is is, is always the game after you lose, right? So yeah, we'll I see. mean, I w- I don't know if I would go so far as to say that Napoli, you know, to question whether Napoli are a Scudetto contender when they're still five points clear. Yeah, they better the be. Table. And and targeting top four, I think. Yeah, I get your point. If they if they lose yeah. a couple of matches, that can that it changes, can, right? Like you don't know, quickly. right? But I mean, if you were to not, I mean, everybody plays everyone, right? So that's fine. Yeah. But I think we're a little bit unfortunate to get Inter as the first team we play out of the break. You look across the league; everyone else basically had relatively easy matches. I don't use that as an excuse, but if you were to ask me, you know, Napoli lost one nil to Inter at the Meazza after a two-month break, that's understandable, right? But I completely agree. The real question is how do they respond because that's been Napoli's 
Achilles heel in past seasons, that yeah. mental lapse at right around this time of the year as you know. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a Spalletti problem that predates his yeah. time at Napoli too. Yeah. It's, it's both of them actually. Yeah. So yeah. It's kind of a bad combination. Yeah. Fortunately we have Sampdoria who, who won, but you know, that's a team we should beat. Hopefully we do. And that'll get our confidence back up ahead of Juventus. It's interesting. You look at all the matches, like outside of Milan, who looked really sharp against Lernitana, mind you, it's Lernitana. Everyone else did look kind of like they were affected by that World Cup break. Like Juve just barely got the win last minute um, against Cremonese. Uh, Atalanta got a last minute draw. Yeah, lost. You know, Roma won, but I think it was one. Was it one nil? So you know, no one was terribly convincing this round. Um, Inter and Milan were probably the two best. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, Jerry, uh, before before we wrap up this episode, is there anything else uh, you would like to say about Lazio, especially since we have a uh, great Roma supporter, our friend Ivano in there. He's, he's talking a little crap in the chat. Who won the Derby? That's mic drop moment right there. That's all, that's all I got to say is who won the Roma Derby. Oh, I love uh, it. I'll, I'll leave it right there. Okay. Um Thank you for the giveaway in that game, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, uh, um, I'm not gonna. It, it just looked like a team that just as the game progressed, they started to die more and more. There was just no creativity. Uh, I thought this was Sergei Milinkovic Savic's like worst game, maybe this season. I think the last couple of games he's been poor. You, you've been playing for the you played for the conference last year. Mm-hmm. Stop. You, uh, uh, do I have to win the 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 tree vase, but the, the vase, whatever you guys want? I, I don't even care about this conference league. The bonsai um, tree, hate it. Um, <laughs> I I just think that Lazio just. I think sometimes you play to your opponent's level, and and you you become too incomplacent. Like like if you play a bottom team, sometimes it it, it sucks you out. Um, it was just a bad game. Like you would think that. Scoring the first goal in the first 20 minutes would give you the momentum to keep going. I think the the one thing that they were missing today was Luis Alberto. Someone who can really... Because the pace of the game was quite slow. That I felt that the game could have been advantage to Alberto. Because the team, like, lets you doesn't cut down your space. And, like, it, it gives you time to make that pass. Um, I think Alberto would have, like help in their attack there wasn't any creativity why didn't he play i, I didn't he has get a knee injury up. he has an oh, injury hurt. he's hurt so you would think that you would be healthy he got hurt from a friendly game i think oh my gosh yeah That's so terrible. so and, and i think they, they they made a mistake taking off savage at the 60th minute instead of uh bossage bossage i defended this guy he is bad He's a very bad player. I'm sorry. Um, I thought this guy was going to come over and like the hype and everything. And and, and I think he started off really well. Yeah, um, I thought so too. You know what, man? The midfield, he just looks slow, doesn't win, doesn't really have any skill with the feet. His shot selection, his whales balls over the net. He had one good chance. He just wheeled it. Um, and he had a mobile wide open in the middle. In, in the uh, Maybe it's just a Lazio thing because – but that Bonucci is tied for second top scorer in La Liga. <laughs> so, really? 
I, 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 yeah, it's crazy. I think, I think it's the style of football in Spain that allows him to play that kind of game. I think it's suited to him because they don't even know how to play defense in Spain. So, so I, I, well, he didn't look like he knew how to play offense in Italy. So, well, I, I bet my life if he came back to Italy and think he can do that, I guarantee he would get shredded apart again. My mm-hmm. my my bet is he would never come back to Italy to play. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, I, it's just too systematic for him, and I think yeah. that he needs to play more free roam. If you watch in yeah. Spain, they, like you just need a big body because everyone just sits back, and yeah. if you're that tall guy, you can just win easily. Um, Immobile looked good today. I'll, I'll go from there. Um, I'll see how they do Sunday. I think I expect a better performance. I think the effort was not great. It wasn't. Just lackluster. Like Pedro wasn't great. I thought Zakani's got to learn how to stop rolling all over the field. Drives me nuts how this. I I don't like football players who get a little love tap and they're on the floor and they're dying. Like <laughs> I, that's that's the reason why I never liked football for so long. Is I cannot respect players when they're in agony and then they get back up and two seconds later they're running again. It's like you were just dying on the floor, and all of a sudden you you, well, you have healing spraying. All of a sudden you're 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 back to normal. I, I I don't like players who try to sell fouls and like try to get the attention of the referees. I think it's gonna be like back and forth where the the referees need to acknowledge that there is a foul, but the players also have to acknowledge not to sell it. And I think there will be some like compromise there i know it's a lot to ask for and the last thing i'll say is latsity was really good today i thought latsity was probably the one player who stood out and um he he really is really good at generating attack from the back end up and moving it he 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 really has transitioned under a sorry type player where he can really move the ball quickly get in out of spaces and his attention to details gotten better. His defending, I think, has improved. So I thought that he had a, 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 a quite quite a decent game. So, well, yeah, hats off to Lecce because they look like they came out guns blazing and attacked really well. As the game pro- in the first half, it was it was a, a, a modest slow game. In the second half, like they really came out and really had the the momentum so it, it is what it is um i don't know we'll see we'll see how it goes well that, that was that's well said of course and uh and before we let everybody run joe fischetti from the forza napoli pod you're you're doing incredible things man it's it's been cool watching how you've grown your platform let people know where they can find everything Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me on. It's it's always a pleasure chatting with you guys about cultural. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5. You can find the podcast on all the usual social media platforms at Forza Napoli Pod. And now, um, I don't know if I've talked about it since the last time I've been on, but I started a website as well. Awesome. Uh, if you're looking for written content, which is uh, ForzaNapoliPress.com. So if you head over there, you can find match previews, reviews, news, that sort of stuff. Well, that's good for people like Jerry who actually read, unlike me. <laughs> I, know, I know I know, Jerry's always reading good books. Uh, Jerry, is there anything you'd like to plug or promote before we call it a night? 
<laughs> I said a nice thing. You read. I, I only read blogs and message no. boards. You actually read books. I'm I'm done writing, man. I I I think that stop writing, like me not writing for the last couple of months has been great. I've been I reading. started a website, so naturally Jerry stopped writing. Of course. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Something had to give, I, give and take, right? I can't believe I wrote over a thousand pieces for like in total. It's, it's wow. ridiculous. I've never even thought I would ever do that. But like, like I still have two pieces done and I haven't released them yet. Like I have one, wow. on, one on Mihalovich I did. Oh, like, may he rest in peace. Yeah. I, yeah, God bless him. I wrote it two years ago, actually, this piece. And I have another one on Lucas Leva. And like, I don't know. I'm just lazy to, to send them out now. Um, I think when TFC starts, I will do the media. I think that doing that kind of gives me gets me out of the house, and it, and it's nice to like do it. But like, I don't know. God bless Joe. I don't know how he does it. It's mm-hmm. for me. It's uh, you know what? I, I'll I'll give a plug. Sopranos. That show is amazing, man. Yeah, I mean, that you, you show, act like this is a new sensation. This has amazing. been an amazing show for like twenty years. I never had HBO, man. <laughs> oh, what the heck? I when, when that show was out, I didn't have HBO, and I didn't know like this live streaming crap. And like now that I have, I have uh, Crave. So like, there's I another new it. good show, uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched that one either yet. Don't worry. Uh, I, I eventually, just he'll get to it. I don't know. Sopranos is so good, man. Sopranos is that I've watched it all the way through oh. at least three times, if not four. Who's your favorite through. character? Ooh, um, I I love Polly Walnuts. Uh, Polly's awesome. Like that guy's got Pauly's six characters. Fantastic, yeah, yeah. He's a nutcase. Holy fuck, man! That guy. Yeah, I I, th- I think he's I think he's probably my favorite, like consistently, uh, because you know, like I mean, you know, t- t- Tony's the main character. He can be frustrating sometimes. Christopher can be a whiny bitch sometimes, but like pa- Polly, Polly is always on point. I uh, man, I think Tony's the best. I think I know it's it's the cop out and it's like the cheesy answer. <laughs> I just think, and our, and our friend in our chat group said it perfect. I think it's it's his personality how he's able to have like these like six different friendships with like six different people he can be a different person all the time and hold, like... hold on let's say i, I know joe's oh. gotta run let's say goodbye to joe real quick because you know he's he's got children he's got a life <laughs> joe <laughs> thank you so much for stopping by my friend we'll see you again my pleasure thank hey, you joe last question panatona yeah. or pandora panatona yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Amen to that. Oh, cheers, man. Amen yeah. To that. Okay. Take care, guys. Yeah, guys. See, See ya, buddy. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah, man. Like, I know this is off topic now. Like, I understand why Joe left. Joe, once it's no more football, he's gone. But like, <laughs> but like, yeah. With with Sopranos, man. I wish I knew about the show earlier, man. Like, oh, it's I I would do a podcast just dedicated to sopranos you know um there's a really good one um and it's actually two of the actors uh michael imperioli who played christopher and um the gentleman who played bobby bacala they they do uh they do a show i don't know if they still do it but they did a show called talking sopranos where they would like break down you know they were on the show so they would talk like inside filming the episodes and they would have guests on like other cast members and it was uh it was pretty good i I used to they started it during uh the covid lockdowns and i used to watch it then i always thought would they ever bring it back but then it's kind of hard to bring it back when the main guy god bless him is no longer uh 
is uh, a lot. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I like I like the episode. I just watched it recently. I, I know this is probably a vague team, maybe, but I like his uncle, Tony's uncle, um, Junior. Yeah, Junior. When he's watching TV and he sees the episode of, uh, you know the, um, you know Jerry Seinfeld, the the creator. Yeah, uh, curb your enthusiasm. Yeah, and when he's yeah. watching it, and he thinks that's him on TV. Yes, and and, and he that sees was funny. He sees, I thought that was. A, I like, what am was, I doing on the TV? I thought that <laughs> was great, man. But it, it, it's amazing how they set up their own people. How, how like they set their own people up, and and they don't give a shit. Like if they see yeah. someone's like an outlier, like done. But like, yeah, it's it's, it's a great show, man. Honestly. Um, and I know I know there's uh, someone who Omar normally asks me on Twitter if he watches the podcast. I recommend Sopranos. Yellowstone's amazing too. I need to get into that. I only watched like the first uh, two episodes, and everybody tells me it, it starts slow and it kind of picks up after that. I've only seen the first two, so I, I've got to I've got to resume Yellowstone. I heard Succession's good too. That I've watched that incredible. Yeah, my Incredible. wife wants to watch that. I've heard that's really good. Yeah, there are three seasons in. I don't know how much longer we have to wait for the fourth season. Maybe another six months or so, which I'm I'm jonesing for it because it's it's a great show. Oh, if you really want a good hockey show, that's really funny. Uh, Kenny Letter is Letter really Kenny. Good. Letter Kenny. That's it. Sorry, I've heard of it. I haven't that's watched. Really it. good. Yeah. And Shorzy, watch Shorzy. It's, it, it's it's amazing. It's all hockey chirps. It's amazing. Nice. It's, all right. It's well, actually it's filmed out of uh, a place called Sudbury, where my mother in law is from. Yeah. It's oh, pretty cool. nice. Yeah. Well, we will we will close it out on that note. Always a pleasure, Jerry, and thank you so much to everyone who uh, who joined us in the live chat. Thanks again to Joe Fischetti from Fortsonopoly Pod, and we will talk to you again next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection Podcast. Ciao. Roma Merida.